many are believing God for some great things this year? Amen. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. For behold, I shall do a new thing. Amen. Anybody ready for some new things? Amen. New stuff. New life. New mind. New heart. New emotions. Going to take some new choices. Hello, somebody. You know, you don't have to respond. Uh, but if you ask people if they want a new outcome, almost all the time, yeah. I want a new outcome. Well, that means you're going to have to have a new character, right? Because outcome is the result of character. So you're going to have to have new character, which means you're going to have to have some new habits. Because habits is what makes character, it, which means that you're going you're to have to perform some new actions. Because that's how you get a new habit is by consistently performing a new action. And how are you going to get a new action? New choices. And how are you going to make new choices? You're going to have to have new emotions because your emotions make your choices. And in order to get new emotions, you're going to have to have new thoughts. Come on now. I know you've, you've thought you're right your entire life. Now it's time to admit it. You don't know everything. Amen. Come on. You know, dealing with people. People always are under the impression they know everything. You sit down and start talking to somebody who's got a major problem in their life and start sharing the word of God. And they'll say, I know. I know. I know. Well, no, no. You, you might have... Uh, obtained information, but you have yet to experience transformation. And, and what, you, what you need to do is allow God the opportunity to begin right now and, and begin to transform your mind through the Word of God so that you can make some new choices and perform some new actions and get some new habits going so you have a new character so you can come up with a new end result in your life. Amen? So you got to be willing to think some new thoughts, which is going to take some new word. You're going to have to open up and receive stuff that you've kind of rejected in the past. i got to tell you, even in my life, you know, I've been in church and in the Word of God. I love the Word of God. And, I, you know, and there are areas of my life where uh, there's just certain beliefs that, that cause me to hold off on other things. And I have to be willing to say, you know what, God, I'm going to open up and believe what you say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embrace your Word with, with a new appetite, a new hunger, a new desire, a new passion. Because I want something new, not only in my life, but in the lives of those around me. Hello, somebody. You, you know, uh, if, if you, I, I got a challenge for you. If you'll give us uh, this year, I, I want you to take the year and apply it to uh, believe in God for some new things in your life. A, a year, not, not, not 30 minutes. You know, the other day, uh, we were uh, going down the aisle uh, doing some shopping in Tulsa looking for uh, some popcorn to microwave because we didn't have time to pop it. We want to microwave it. And, and, uh, but in the search, I noticed that these Pop-Tarts, and, you know, and the fast was coming up, and I'm looking at everything. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I'm looking at these Pop-Tarts, and, and, uh, and, and on, the, on the package of the Pop-Tart, it had microwave instructions. And I'm thinking, dude, if you are in such a hurry, you can't wait for the toaster. You, come on. I, I, I need my Pop-Tart. Uh, we might be trying to get stuff too quick. You know, this society that we're in and the culture that we're involved in is trying to pull stuff at such a rapid pace. I'm going to challenge you to give God a year. Matter of fact, I'll make this deal with you. If you give God a year and you just go all in this year for God, I mean, you just, I'm going to do it all. Everything the Word of God says to do, that's what I'm going to do. I, I'm, I'm going to live it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to apply it. 
And at the end of the year, if your life is not radically better, I'll leave the church with you and we'll go find a new church. Well, because obviously it ain't working. But the reality is, is that if you apply it to your life and go for it, I got news for you. You're going to experience some new things in your life. Amen. Look at, look at your neighbor and tell him you could use some new. Go ahead and tell them. It doesn't matter. Well, well you, you know, this time of year, everybody's setting resolutions, you know, and, and, and uh, they, they actually say that uh, it's like 70-some percent of resolutions are broken by February 14th. You know, some of you guys, you, you said you set New Year's resolution, and you broke it already. And, and what is this? This is like the fifth or something resolutions don't always work. Matter of fact, because of the low success rate of resolutions, a lot of people actually have kind of lowered their expectation for 2014. Because, well, you know, I've tried that before. You know, some of the failed resolutions, we, we all have failed resolutions, don't we? You know, 2012, I'm, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. 2013, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. 2014, I'm going to drive by the gym every now and then, make sure it's still there. <laughs> you know, because we, we, we tried stuff, and, and, and it didn't work. 2012, I'm going to pay off my bank loan. 2013, I'm going to pay off all my loans, because I went from loan to loans. 2014, I'm just going to be out of the country by the end of the year. And, <laughs> you know, trying to find a resolution that you can make. The problem is, is that, that you don't need a resolution, you need a revolution. You need to embrace something that causes you to change on the inside and not try to just come up with some behavioral changes on the outside. Uh, the, the reality is, is that God said, well, think about it, in, in Revelations 21.5, Jesus was seated on the throne and he said, I'm making everything new. Everything new. Everything new. Here's... Here's something we need to embrace. If any man, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is new. That old stuff's gone, and all things have become new. If anybody's in Christ, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you know, have, have you thought about that statement? You know, if you become a Christian, blank, and fill in the blank. And what do people fill the blank in with? Well, if you, if you become a Christian, you go to church. Is that it? If you become a Christian, uh, you get baptized. If you become a Christian, you, you know, you stop smoking. No, if you become a Christian, you're brand new. You're brand new. Now, obviously, there's going to be some behavioral changes in your life, but the newness is on the inside. And, and, you know, you're thinking, you know, I, I need, I need a, a new relationship. It's not, that, that problem is not a relational problem. That's a spiritual problem. Well, i got financial problems. No, you have a spiritual problem. I've got health problems. No, you have a spiritual problem. And, and, see, what we do is we try to, to produce new results, but we don't become new on the inside. And what God is wanting us to do is to embrace the gospel. It's a new gospel. Come on, somebody. He's not trying to improve the old you. 
Man, it got quiet right there, didn't it? New and improved, that's a marketing trick. If something's improved, it ain't new. God's not trying to improve your life. He wants to give you new life. I think that's where a lot of believers make this huge mistake is is they think eternal life starts when you're dead. Eternal life starts when you're born again. You get God life and access to it. Well, where is it at? Well, you got to live it from the inside out. And and you got to get this new thing on the inside of you. Your, Your endeavor is not to turn over a new leaf, but it is to actually live a new life. And if you start living a new life, you'll end up with a new body, with new relationships, with new money, with a new you. Look at somebody say, happy new you. You know, we're going to be new, somebody. And over the course of the year, we're going to systematically bring stuff to you that will enable you to just take one step at a time and and just let's just do this this week. Let's let's do this, okay? And and let's work on this and let's apply this stuff. And then when you get to week two, you know, we're going to add something new. And and, don't quit what you got in week one. Just keep that going. But now add week two. By the end of the year, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have insane victory in every realm of your life. Every realm of your life. Aren't you ready for some new freedom? Aren't you ready for like a new, new attitude? People sitting next to you are hoping you get one. Hallelujah. They're praying right now in the Holy Ghost. Uh, are you worshiping intimately? Are you feeding daily? Are you serving faithfully? Are you connecting regularly? Yeah, keep asking yourself those questions and keep, keep, keep moving yourself forward. Uh, today, I, I want us to start in Luke 16, verse 9. I was getting ready in a, uh, while we were out of town and uh, ran across this verse, and uh, I was going to start at the one after it because this verse, this is one of the most misunderstood scriptures in the Bible, so I thought, well, we should jump right over that. And then I thought, well, why don't we understand it? Luke 69, look at it. It says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they'll receive you into an everlasting home. You know, you read that verse and it's like, well, what in the world does that mean? I'm supposed to take unrighteous mammon by myself some friends because I'm about ready to fail. Well, that's what it says, kind of. He's saying here, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. Uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to get into this a little bit today, but this, uh, th- this says, okay, what, what I want you to understand, God's saying is that there's a spirit on money. But what I want you to do is put my spirit on anything I put in your hand. Anything I put in your hand, you put my spirit on it. And when you put my spirit on it and you have my direction, what will happen is, is, is he's saying, I'll show you how to use your money to win friends. He who wins friends is wise. Right? We're not talking about having a relationship, friendship. We're talking about winning souls. Make for yourself friends. Why, well, how, how, how do you think that says souls? Well, because it says they'll receive you into an everlasting home when you fail. When you fail, if you study it out, it says when you die. There'll be a group of people that when you get up there, that are going to be standing there saying, thank you. They'll receive you into an everlasting home because they'll come up to you and they'll say, you know what you did with your money opened, opened the door for, for our family. And we received the gospel and we're here now because of what you did, because of your obedience, even with your money. 
See, what I, what I think we need to have uh, as we launch into the new year is that we need to have a new uh, commitment to how we're going to handle everything God puts in our hand. That what he puts in our hand, we're going to put his spirit on anything that comes in our hand. And we're going to use it to, to reach the loss and make a difference that's eternal. Somebody say amen. amen. Look at this next verse in uh, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot. Nobody can serve two masters. You think you might pull it off. You're not going to be the one. Nobody can serve God and mammon. And if you're faithful in which is least, he said, that's when we know you're going to be faithful in much. And if, you'll, if you're not, who's going to commit to you uh, to your trust? True riches. We'll talk about that in a minute. And look at verse 12. He said, uh, if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, Who's going to give you what's your own? If you've not been faithful in another man's, can I just tell you that everything you have is not really yours? Come on, that's kind of a weak response. The, the, the everything, every, if, you, if you are in Christ, you are new. Now, here's a new mindset that you have to embrace, that everything that I have belongs to God. Oh, this is going to be fun today, I can tell. Everything you've got is God's. And God said, if we can't trust you with what is another man's, that'd be his, then how are you going to get what's yours? And, uh, you know, it, it, the world thinks, uh, you know, especially when it comes to money, that's my money. No, everything I got is God's. Nobody, nobody is going to serve two masters. See, the problem is, is that money is, is uh, uh, there's a spirit on money that tries to rule the world. Mammon. Uh, is an interesting word because when they were translating these verses, they, they translated from Greek into English, obviously. But when they got to the word mammon, they, they couldn't find an English word for it, so they just used the Greek word. And, and, and it's, I mean, it's just the, it's, it's a proper noun. It's not talking about the object. It's talking uh, about a personality there. And, and, uh, and what it is is it literally means the god of money. The God of money. And uh, here's the deal with money, according to God, that it's either got the world spirit on it or you're going to put my spirit on it. And all around the world, mammon or the love of money, that might be easier to understand, the love of money is a destructive force. And the love of money is when, when we're allowing what we have or riches to be the authoritative voice when money's making your decisions for you. You know, the word decision is from the same root word that we get the word incision. It means to make a cut. When you go to the menu and pick one item out of 73, you didn't actually pick one. You cut out 72. That decision cuts off everything else. And when money is making the decisions for you, it's cutting things out of your life that you wouldn't have in your life because you don't see how that you could afford all of it. So you're making a cut. 
And when, when money's making your decisions for you, then money's sitting on the throne of your life. And, and if you fall apart when your money falls apart, you've got the spirit of mammon operating in your life. All of us are dealing with the spirit of mammon. Don't think that, well, I'm free from that. Oh, no, you're not. Every single one of us have that influence in our life, and we have to learn to not allow that spirit of mammon to be sitting on the throne of our heart. Hello, somebody. You know, we end up making an allegiance to the wrong things. Uh, you know, just think about it. The, the return of Christ, guys, is close. You, you know, how many you know, we're not really living in the end times. We're living in the end of the end times. And, and the spirit of mammon is, is, is the powerful force that will bring the Antichrist to the forefront. Uh, because... Well, think about it. Your, your allegiance switches to the Antichrist because without, without that allegiance change, you can't buy anything, you can't sell anything. It's the spirit of mammon. And, and, the, and the fear that the spirit of mammon projects is, is to cause you to allow mammon to take the place of God in your life. There's a book, it's an interesting read, it's called The Day America Told the Truth. And in that book, they, they did a, a, some research, and, uh, and it wasn't just a handful of people. Thousands of people were interviewed, and they asked a question. They said, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? And, and some of the numbers are, are crazy. 25% said that they would abandon their entire family. $10 million bucks. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Isn't that crazy? You hear about the, the, the lady that won the lottery and she got so excited. She, she didn't tell anybody at first. She went down to make sure it was real and, and they gave her her money. She got her check and she was so excited and she called the house and she said, hey, I just, I just won the lottery. Pack your bags, baby. And he said, really? How should I pack? What kind of a climate should I be thinking about? And she said, I don't care as long as you're out of the house by the time I get home. <laughs> 25% of Americans would abandon their entire family for the, for the 10 million bucks. 23% said that they would become a prostitute for a minimum of one week. 10 million bucks. 16% said that they were willing to give up their American citizenship. Some of you guys are sitting there thinking that's, that's not a bad deal. 10%, 10% would withhold testimony and allow a murderer to go free. 7% said that they would actually kill a complete stranger. And I, I, I think the, the worst number, really, 3% of Americans in the study said that they would put their children up for adoption. I know people who would do it right now for free, but I'm just saying that, you know, that, that mindset, that's the condition of our country, and that's the spirit operating over our nation right now. You think about our financial situation as a nation and, and the mess that we're in financially, and, and it doesn't make sense. There is not a solution to our nation's financial dilemma if all we're going to do is make behavioral changes. It is not a financial issue. It's a spiritual issue. And until we deal with it, it's an issue about beliefs. You know what? We don't need more stuff. We need more God. Come on, somebody. And what happens is mammon attempts to make promises to you that only God can fulfill. And believers, 
are impacted by the lies of the spirit of mammon, just like everybody else. Matter of fact, there, there's three lies I want to I want to talk about real quick. Uh, three lies that the spirit of mammon makes, and and the first one has to do with security. If you serve me, I'll give you security in the security that you desire. Think about it. We even call some of our investments securities. Mammon says you want peace of mind, you want your future secured. Come on, give me your money. Deal, deal, we'll come after money, and, and, and you'll have a future. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says those who Trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. You know, what do we do then if we're looking for security? Well, we get our hearts right, and we go to God because security comes from God and God alone. Isaiah thirty-two eighteen: my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. You got to go to God. You know, you, you, can't, you, you can't allow yourself to fall apart when money stuff's falling apart. You've got to realize that, you know what, my confidence is in God. And I'm not trying to use it as condemnation. I just think it's an indicator that we, we need to understand when we've shifted our allegiance. When you're, uh, when, when you're in a position, you, you don't obey God because it'll cost too much. You're obeying the wrong voice. Come on, don't get too quiet. It'll just make me preach it harder. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your character, your moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, lust, craving for earthly possessions. Be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. Be satisfied with what you have. For God himself said, I will not in any way fail or give you up nor leave you without support. God said, I will not in any way fail you. I will not in any way give you up. I will not in any way leave you without support. Look at it. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. I will not, I will not, I will not leave you helpless. Come on, get your security there. I will not, I will not, I will not release my hold on you. But you got this lying devil that's telling you that, it, that your security is going to be found in, in how much money you got. No, it isn't. Come on, you need to embrace this thought. If you're, gonna, if you're really going to be the new you, you have to be able to trust God and say, you know what, I have confidence in him. Look at verse 6. We take comfort and we are encouraged and we confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear. I want you to say that with me. I will not fear. Say it loud. I will not fear. You know, you, you got to, if you can get free from the love of money, God said, you know what? I'll never, never, never forsake you. Never, never, never. And then you'll be able to say with confidence, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. My hope is not in the world's economy. That stuff is all over the place. But my confidence is in God. Look at Isaiah 60. Arise from the depression in which circumstances has kept you, rise to a new life. Come on. In other words, to have the new life, you got to get out from under the pressure of circumstances and situations. And you need to arise. That means change your perspective. You need to get a new, you need to see life differently than you've ever seen it before in order to rise to that new life. And shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come. 
The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness is going to cover the earth, dense darkness. All people, but the Lord will rise on you. His glory will be seen on you. Come on. We can be a people who live totally unaffected by the world's economic structure. You know, well, what about, you know, uh, depression? We don't participate in it. Hello? What about recession? We don't participate in that. The word recession just simply means a, 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 a response to a given report. Why in the world would we respond to the world's given report when we've just read God's given report? God's report is, I will never, never, never leave you. I will never, never, never forsake you. I will never, never, never leave you on your own. You, you're not on your own. You got help. The Lord is my helper. The second lie has to do with identity. And the spirit of mammon will tell you that if you come after that, if you go after money, that you'll have identity. If you get enough money, you'll be somebody. If you can just collect enough cash. Think about it. We go out and buy stuff that we don't need with money that we ain't got to impress people we don't like. Trying to impress our self. Well, you're supposed to crucify yourself. I want to comfort myself. That's a sin. You go to the Holy Spirit for comfort. It's an addiction to money. And not just spending it or gambling it. Some of us have an addiction to collecting it. God says, I, I want to break that off of your life. Luke 12 says, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Life isn't measured by how much you own. The life that God wants you to have, man, it can't be based off of, of what you've got. It's based upon who you are in him. Well, how much bling I've got is important to me. What kind of car I drive it means everything. The size of the house we live in. That, that's all a big lie. You get all of that stuff and you still, you don't have identity. Jim Carrey, one of our famous religious leaders. Jim Carrey made this statement. He said, I wish everyone could be rich and famous. They'd learn that it doesn't solve any problems at all. Your true identity isn't going to come from what you collect. It comes from who you are in Christ. God said, I had a dream about the future. And I saw where you fit. And I started shaping you and molding you to fit there. And I distinguished you and separated you and, and, and sanctified you and, and made you different from anybody on the planet. And then I empowered you with authority to fulfill that dream. Man, your identity comes from the fact that God is, is the one who formed you and shaped you and molded you. Look, look at Psalms with me for a minute. Psalms 139, verse 13. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. You need to train your soul to know it very well so that when mammon comes along and says, I can turn you into somebody, you can say, I already am somebody. I'm who God's called me to be. I'm who God's equipped me to be. God's put stuff on the inside of me that ain't nobody else got. Man, you, you want to find your identity, you know, come on, get, in, get involved with us. You know, this year, jump in and get all in. And, and you know, when we launch the growth track, go through it, go through it a couple of times. You know, and you get to, you know, week three, and we're talking about discovering your gifts and find out that God's actually put some stuff in you that makes you special. I, I got to tell you something. Every single one of you guys are special, and you're needed right here. And you need to find your identity in him. The third lie that the enemy tries to tell us about, uh, you know, with the spirit of mammon is it has to do with happiness. 
You'll be happy, happy, happy. If you fall for that lie, well, you're not real smart because most of us already know people with a lot of stuff and they're miserable. So getting more stuff isn't going to help. Ecclesiastic 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. If that's what motivates you, you'll never have enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Wealth does not bring happiness. Matter of fact, Romans says, happy are those whose sins are forgiven. You want happiness, embrace forgiveness. I know a lot of people trying to get out of debt, but you ought to be, you know, before you get debt-free, why don't you get guilt-free? Now, you know, we want you debt-free, and the truth is that God wants you debt-free, but you need to be guilt-free. I'd rather be guilt-free than debt-free. Come on, somebody. You know, go for it. Make your money. Make it work for you, but make sure you have God's spirit on it first. God wants us to prosper. He wants your cup running over, but he wants you to use your money for kingdom purposes. He doesn't want you living in poverty. He wants to empower your money through intentionality. He wants you to understand that there's a purpose and everything he's doing has a purpose. And when, when he entrusts you, if you'll do it his way, well, guess what? We already read it. He can entrust you with more. And it won't be long until you have the ability to tap into some true riches. So get God's spirit on your money. Make this year a year where, you're gonna, where you just make a decision. I'm Okay, I'm going to embrace stuff I've never embraced before. I'm going to think thoughts I've never thought before. I'm going to go ahead and trust God like I ain't never trusted God before. And I'm going to let God put his spirit on my money. How do I get it there? Well, God makes it very, very simple. He said, just return to me what's mine. We know it, Malachi 3. He said, you know, bring in all the tithe. Bring it in. Return to me what's mine and then take care of the rest. And he said, you know what? If you bring in what's mine, what I'll do, you know, how many of you remember that scripture that if you bring in the tithe, that he'll open up the windows of heaven. He'll pour out blessings you can't contain. He'll put a, a stop to the seed eater in your life. He will stop the guy that's been robbing you if you just give me the first fruits. When you bring me the first fruits, he said, I'll put my spirit on the rest. Oh, you just want our money. We don't need your money. God's going to bless this house. God is blessing his house. You know, and I I guess I kind of get it if you don't trust me. I I can kind of get that. Well, you're up there in front, and you're always the guy talking about money, and and you you just want our money. Okay, don't talk to me about it then. Find a tither and talk to them. Find somebody in the house who's a tither and talk to them. And and we, We don't want your money. We want your freedom. You know, we we want you positioned to actually embrace God life in the way that God intended it. And I'm telling you that if you can can just get the Spirit of God on your life in a way that impacts your money, it won't be long till it's impacting everything else because the Spirit of Mammon is real and it's wreaking havoc in all of our lives. You cannot serve, you cannot serve God and money. And when money's making your decisions... You're making the wrong ones. I hope you're embracing this and not just praying that I quit. I got, I got a couple questions I want you to ask yourself this week. Question number one, am I returning the first to God? Am I returning the first to God? You want to have a new experience financially this year? Do it God's way. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. That's 
Honor the Lord. How, do you, how are you going to honor God unless you do it God's way? And the Bible says this is how we honor the Lord. We honor the Lord with our possessions, with the first fruits of all our increase. Then he said, your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. Not only are your barns going to be full and you're going to have everything you need, but your vats will overflow with new wine. And that's a picture of the anointing in your life. The anointing of God will flow in your life when you learn to honor God. The anointing, can I just tell you something? The anointing does some awesome stuff. But what my, I think my, my favorite characteristic of the anointing is that the anointing has the ability to collapse time. You know, uh, uh, most of us have heard this before, but, the, the, you know, ha, have you ever broken your collarbone? If you've broken your collarbone, hold your hand up. Look at the people who have broken their collarbone. Did, did it hurt? It hurts. What, so what do you do when you break your collarbone? Well, you go to the doctor. What does the doctor do? Nothing. Why? Because they, they can't do anything for you. They give you this thing called a figure eight brace. It's just a, it's just a donut. You twist it, make it eight, put it, your arms through it so you won't reach forward. Trust me, you don't even need that. You reach forward one time. You'll never do that again. What happens to the bone? It grows back together. What happens to the pain? Eventually it goes away. Well, if, if, if you came here today and something had happened in the parking lot and you, you tripped and bumped it wrong and broke your collarbone. You came in, you're in pain, the bone's broken. You come up and ask for, for, for prayer and, and, and we anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith and instantly, you know, the pain's gone and the bone's back together. That's a miracle. Well, what's a miracle? Well, the bone's back together. No, that's not a miracle. The bone's growing back together anyways. What's the miracle? The pain's gone. No, that's not a miracle. The pain's going to leave anyways. What's the miracle? The collapse of time. A lot of us need the collapse of time operating in our life. We need the anointing on our life. And you're wondering why everything's taking you so long. Could it possibly be because you don't honor God like he says to with your money? So, so I'm buying my miracle? No, you're positioning yourself for the miracle. Hello, somebody. I believe this stuff. We believe this stuff. We launched this church with nothing. Now, we, you know what we own, right, as a body? You know what we own. We own 10 acres out on Riata that we're going to build on. We own 80-some acres up here on Southridge that we're selling to uh, uh, use the proceeds to build the building. We, we own that. We, own, we owe no man nothing. Why? Well, because we, we, we practice God's word. Come on, guys. Realize that, well, I want you to preach to me about relationships. Okay, this is your relationship with money. And if you get it right, it'll, it'll impact everything else. Hello, somebody. The second question I want you to ask yourself is, am I actually a good steward with God's stuff? How do you know that God wants you to enjoy life? But he's watching. Again, Luke 16, we read this. You know, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who's going to commit to you uh, and to your trust the true riches? True riches? Man, don't you know God wants to bring you to a place where you have true riches? Let me tell you the difference between riches and true riches. True riches have eternal impact. True riches, let me tell you, as a body, true riches are like souls. God said, you know what, you, you, want, you want to be entrusted with souls? Then you got to be trusted with your money. You, you, you got to get my spirit on, on your money, 
and use your money for the king, for kingdom purposes. And all of a sudden, God said, I, I will actually begin to bring into your life in an increased fashion. Do you have God's spirit on this area of your life or not? If you can handle it, God said, I'll put you in charge of true riches. Well, how do we do that? As, you know, that's the church. No, it's your life. How do you use your stuff? How do you steward your, your, your possession? Do you use your swimming pool and open up, you know, so that others can come so that you can, you know, just show them the goodness of God? Do you open up your house and, 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 and act like, hey, you're welcome here? How do you, use, how do you steward what God's put in your hand? Do you put God's spirit on what he's put in your hand? Or is that all my stuff? You're afraid the neighbor's going to borrow something and never bring it back. Why don't you bless him? Thank you for that great big response. How come you're worried about everybody taking your stuff? Everybody's after my stuff. They can't be after it if you're willing to give it. You know, uh, we quote this scripture here a lot, John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and enjoy it, have it in abundance. Through the top. We focus on that second half, but the first part says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and, and in reality, and this is, this is a long thing, so I'm not going to go real deep into it, but in reality, when it's talking about the thief, really in that verse, it's, it's really not talking about the devil. Go back and read the whole chapter, and it's talking about a hireling, and, and a hireling is the person who's there simply for money. And, and uh, matter of fact, in, in the Bible, uh, the, 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 the titles that uh, the Bible gives to the enemy, he's an accuser of the brethren. But we have an advocate with the Father, right, because we, ha- we have that antidote for that. He, he, you know, but he's, he's, not really a, he's not really a thief. Can I just tell you something? In my life, I cannot be stolen from. Because, you know, any, what you, what you, the title you give to a thing gives the power. The title determines the power of the authority that that thing has in your life. I cannot be stolen from. I remember one time years ago, a guy come running into the office uh, where I was working, and he said, hey, somebody just broke into your car. It's at Christmas time. Had a bunch of gifts in the car. They said, they just broke into your car, and, and they're running across the parking lot with your stuff. Said, Thanks. You going after him? No. Some of the guys are chasing after him. I said, call him back. Why? I can't be stolen from. You're an idiot. They got your stuff. I said, no, it's not my stuff. I can't be stolen from. Hour and a half, two hours later, there's a knock on my office door. Hey, can you come out here? There's a police officer right here who wants to talk to you. Yeah, his car's sitting outside the office there. He's got a guy in the back seat. Brings some stuff in. He said, is this what he took from you? I said, yeah, it looks like it. Here's your stuff. The guy would like to talk to you. So I went to talk to the guy. The guy's crying. I'm sorry I took your stuff. A few minutes, we'd let him to the Lord. Now, I think if I chased him down and beat the tar out of him, <laughs> I might have missed that opportunity. That dude ended up in the church. You, you can decide. I'm not gonna, I, I'll never be stolen from ever again. You mean people never take your stuff? How can they take it if they can have it? It's not stealing if they can have it. I know what some of you guys are thinking. Oh, can I swing by and pick up the Harley later? That's, that's your spirit of greed. But in the reality, yeah, 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 okay, if, if that's going to make your life, if that's going to make your life better, come get it. But you're taking the payment book too. Line, or question number three. I got to hurry. Am I focusing on true riches? 
is you focus on the lives of others. Can I just, can I just tell you something? You know, here, here at the garden, these services aren't for believers. You know, our, our weekend worship experience, we, we, you know, we, we're going to grow and we're going to gain a lot, but we're, we're, not, we're, we're not doing this so that we can build a, a little, you know, kind of like a spiritual rotary club. And no, we're doing this to reach the lost. And we're, we're, we're wanting to bring in people that are far from God and, and just share the, the, the goodness of God with them and, and to see their lives radically changed. And, you, you know, is your focus on true riches? True riches, that's, 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 the people, that's the people's souls. You know, can, can God trust you when the souls of others are on the line? And, you know, are, are, you willing, are, are you willing to take what God's put in your hand and be a great steward of it? Some of you guys, th- these gifts that you've got, you need to be using it. You need to be connecting with us and helping us here and using it and serving in the body. And why? Because we're, we're together, we're, we're reaching the lost. Last Wednesday night, baptized another 19, 20 people. Isn't that awesome? Uh, come on, celebrate, church. That's where we celebrate. You know, What's crazy about that is that we baptized about 30 a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, we're wanting to reach the lost. We're wanting to win the lost. And are, are you focused on true riches? Are you living your life in a manner? Are you doing everything you can? Well, you're just trying to grow a church. No, I'm trying to save people from hell. All you think about is numbers. No, Well, let me tell you what. Every one of those numbers, you're one of the numbers, by the way. And every one of the numbers that we're trying to reach have a soul. And that's eternal. You know, are, are, you willing, are you willing to embrace a new attitude about money and get the spirit of mammon off of your life and let God direct you by his spirit? Trust me, your life will be more enriched, more blessed than it's ever been before. But if there's an opportunity to take what God's put in our hand and use it for a kingdom purpose, I think we're obligated. You just say, hey, you know, well, I really need to pray about it. You don't have to pray about obedience. Well, we're really trying, you know, we can't afford to do this. That's because the Spirit of Mammon has made all these decisions for us. We need to kick him, kick the devil right in the crotch. And, and just say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be first chair believers. And we're not going to live in fear. But we're going to know and trust and, 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 and realize that God said he would never, never, never leave us without. So money's not going to make my decisions. I'm going to make decisions to use my money for the kingdom purposes that God's positioned me. I think as we embrace a new year and believe God for new things, I think it has to start here. Hello, somebody. I just think it has to start here. God's got a new life for you. You might be here today and you might be so far from God. You're just thinking, how in the world do I apply this to my life? Well, it starts by getting right with God. Starts by embracing the new life that God offers you. Matter of fact, I want you to close your book and bow your head. And if you're in this room,